Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. Yes, that's my thing. I'm always excited. Uh, but I really am. I, I just love this lady. I, I met Cam a few years ago at Blue Ridge. It's a conference that we both go to and man i tell you one one year in particular was this was this um my goodness was this 2020 cam when you cleaned up all those awards oh i don't i don't know about cleaned up i came first in something <laughs> i think it was 2020. <laughs> okay I, I, what I, I would think of it as cleaning up i was like <laughs> i was ready for third so you know i was i was thrilled oh, yeah first. well she she is in a, and, and her full name is cam Molyneux. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Good job. Good okay, job. You have a fancy last name there, so I just want to make sure. Yeah. Is that French? Well, it's got that influence. Um, uh-huh. And I'm real into family tree, so don't ask me too many questions or we'll get totally sidetracked. Okay, okay we will. <laughs> totally. Okay. Let's not do it. Okay. So she is an award-winning author, see I told you, who loves to share her passion for history through both the, the written and spoken word. Bossy, look at that. You were fit from the beginning, right? You, you're, you're part of my tagline. Look at that. Um, right. she, and, <laughs> she and her husband, they reside in South Carolina, where in 2013, concern for America compelled her to write. What concern, Cam? There's nothing going on here in America. <laughs> Everything is perfect. <laughs> Everything is beautiful. Everything is perfect. <laughs> I don't know where you live. <laughs> Under a rock. Yeah, I like it under this rock. But in 2021, Redemption Press published her debut novel, which is set in Boston in the years leading up to the Revolutionary War. This captivating story seeks to remind Americans what our founding fathers believed was worthy of a fight. Cam's research has taken her to many of the American colonies and even across the big pond. She's hard at work on her second novel, which will pick up where the first one left off, on the brink of war with the British Empire. Oh my gosh. And so your book is called The Spirit of Revolution, Boston Liberty's Cradle. That's uh, the second uh, title, but it's really called The the Spirit of of Revolution. It's got a beautiful cover. And um, Cam, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Well, thank you for having me. I've really been looking forward to it. Um, I enjoyed meeting you a few years ago, and uh, we raced each other up a hill and found out we both had a competitive spirit, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, it was fun. It, yeah, it was very sad. Very sad, but true. Um, there's a hill. You know, what's very sad, I'm thinking, I, th- I think this may be, you may be a, you may be like the third person I tried to race up that hill. But anyway, <laughs> because it started, it started coming out, coming out on the podcast, and I'm like, Oh boy. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> press Conference Center, where there are lots of other conferences, but this one in particular, Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference. There is a hill. Oh my gosh. It's too <laughs> a serious hill. You, a ser- you have to climb this hill to get to ev- everywhere. Now, smart people, they find a way around this hill and they go through other things, but not Cam and I. You see, we- <laughs> 
I'll save that for later in the conference. I know where all the elevators are because I have bad knees, but when you're trying to race to sign up for something, it's like, by golly, I'm gonna I'm gonna conquer this hill. I actually yeah. went to high school, boy, that we digress, but I went to high school and uh track was a big deal. And I was not in track, but they had it was in the mountains and uh they had a hill, they called it Killer Hill. <laughs> I think, oh. I, I think I tried it one time and I'm like, I don't think track is for me. <laughs> wow. Well, you wouldn't have known it the way she's, um, she's competing against me here. I don't remember who won though. I'm pretty sure it was me though. Just... I don't know. I think we all were winners, <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that the current idea? <laughs> yes. We all get a trophy no matter what happens. That's right, that's, right. That's the new way. <laughs> but I, I, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, you know, we 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 um we get to connect on a couple of different levels. We uh, we, we belong to uh, Word Weavers, and um, we got to see each other the other night at Open Mic. And so, Cam, I'm I'm proud of you. Uh, who would have known when we were racing up that hill and you were you were winning that award that that you would have been on this podcast now? Yeah, yeah. Time moves along. Mm-hmm. So, so can you tell us what your current role in the publishing industry is? Well, I'm wearing a couple of hats. One is the primary and the other is kind of secondary. Uh, my primary role is that I'm a writer uh, of historically accurate novels. Uh, I don't like calling it historical fiction. I cringe when I say that because fiction mm-hmm. to me um, connotates you're making things up. And I spent eight years working on my first novel because I wanted to get the facts as accurate as possible. And uh, so I prefer to refer to uh, my genre as historically accurate um novels uh as opposed to historical fiction but if people say historical fiction that's fine um Mm -hmm. and so being a writer since i'm wanting to do historically accurate that takes a lot of my time i'm hoping Mm -hmm. my second novel is going to be faster maybe just two or three years uh i'm about a i'm about a year or so into it uh so we'll see and uh but then the other hat that i wear periodically is public speaking uh you know such as this um and uh next year i've I've tried not to push it too much uh but next year is the 250th anniversary of the boston tea party uh which uh is happens to be the climax of my first novel and so i'm assuming you know i'm kind of laying some groundwork for uh getting out there and doing a little bit more public speaking um uh for the 250th anniversary. Mm. So, so what other projects have you been working on? Well, uh, there are two that come to mind. One is that I'm really excited that I've been working on an audiobook for my first novel. And um, I'm not the uh, narrator. Uh, and a big part of that is because men are most of my characters uh, in my books. Uh, but two, it's set in Boston. And in case you haven't figured it out, I'm not from Boston. 
I am not just not from Boston. I'm from the South. And so uh, I have somebody who's doing a great job with it. And we're, we're on the verge, we think, of getting it out there. We're dotting some I's and crossing some T's. And uh, so hopefully it'll be out there within the next few weeks, hopefully before Christmas. We'll see. Um, but I'm just really excited about, uh, about getting that out there. And then the other project that I'm currently working on is my second novel, uh, which, as you said in my intro, is going to pick up where the first novel left off. Um, and so the first novel is set in Boston. And, um, you know, basically the 10 years leading up to the Revolutionary War. And then the second uh, book will be set in uh, mostly Virginia and Philadelphia, maybe with a dash or two of North Carolina uh, in there. Mm. Uh, I use people in my family tree uh, as the main characters, um, but they are, um, they're surrounded by people that everyone knows such as Paul Revere and Samuel Adams and John Hancock and those kinds of people. Um, so, uh, so those are the couple things that I'm, I'm working on right now, the audio book, and then really trying to get some writing done on book number two. Mm, excellent. Well, can you discuss your journey as a writer, networker, and industry professional? So in a nutshell, describe how you manage your obligations in the, in the publishing industry. Sure. Um, you know, I've always loved the, the term journey. Um, and um, about 10 years or so ago, I was having a growing concern uh, for our country. Um, and I was also, I'd also been doing some family tree research. I, little known fact, uh, I used to be a licensed residential builder and wow. had, my, had my own construction company. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, that's a that's a story in and of itself. But um, when everything came crashing down in 2008, actually in the construction industry, it was more like 2006, but everybody knows 2008, um, I ended up having lots of time on my hands because people weren't wanting to build houses. Mm -hmm. And so I was doing a lot of family tree research. At the time I was living in the state capitol and so I had a lot of resources at my fingertips. And in 2013, I was on a family vacation and I woke up on the last day of family vacation. Those in the audience who are, um, are writers can get this. You know, when you get away from it all, you kind of start having more creative thoughts and things pop into your head that maybe they wouldn't do when we're in the, you know, midst of the rat race, day-to-day -day yeah. rat race. And uh, so last day of family vacation, I woke up about 4.30 in the morning and I was laying there, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can use the people in my family tree to tell the story mm -hmm. and remind people what our founding fathers believe was worth fighting for. Right. Wow. And, um, and so, you know, it just really uh, developed in my mind and I got home and um, went to the library and checked out some books about what it means to, to write a book. And, um, and, you know, I thought, well, you know, it'll be finished in a year or two. Well, eight <laughs> years later, <laughs> it came out. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's kind of part of my journey, my writer's journey. Uh, as far as how I manage uh, my obligations, 
um, it, you know, it's really tough balancing uh, mm-hmm. life as a writer with what we would consider normal life because yeah. the writer's life is not normal. No. Um, and so many people don't get the writer's life. Um, and I think it's extremely important to have the support of at least one family member if you're a writer. Uh, if it can be uh, a spouse, that's mm-hmm. ideal because obviously that's who's under your roof and um, can understand it when you say, I need to go in my office for a couple mm-hmm. of hours. And, yeah. you know, if you hear kicking and screaming and whatever, it's okay. Yes. <laughs> my, my, a few years ago, I was writing a, a, a scene related to somebody passing away. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, and so I came out of my office after a few hours and went to my husband and I just had this long look on my face. And I said, I've been in a funeral all day. Mm. He's like, I thought you were here. <laughs> oh my God. And uh, so, you know, we have all these people running around in our heads uh, as authors and not everybody gets that. But if no. at least one family member and hopefully a friend or two uh, can jump in and support you and encourage you, uh, that can be uh, very, very uh, helpful as we manage those obligations uh, as writers. And, uh, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm going to finish. I'm going I'm to let you finish and then I have something to tell you. Okay. Well, I was just going to say one other thing related to managing your obligations is as a writer, you've got to decide, is this a priority and is this a job or is this a hobby? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying, you know, each person is different. Your answer is going to be different. But a few years ago, my husband and I decided that writing was going to be a priority for me. And that mm-hmm. means that I have hours set aside that I am in my office sitting down uh, and I might not be typing out words, but at least I'm working on the book, you know, whether it's yeah. research or whatever. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that's really important to make it a priority. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wanted to piggyback on what you said about coming out of your office and saying you've been at a funeral all day. That is something that it's important for readers and and um, also writers to hear that and to understand that in our world, it we are so immersed as writers that it becomes real to us. Yes. And and I had I had so many similar experiences. I remember one time there was a character. He was actually my antagonist. He was a bad guy. But I, when, I was like, when is he go, going to ever die? He's so evil. He's just doing the most. And finally, I remember coming out of my office and I'm like, honey, such and such, he finally died. He's like, who? And I'm like, you know, the bad guy. <laughs> so so these, these characters, we become attached to them. Even the bad people were heavily invested. And so I'm really glad that you brought that to light because it's so important for both readers and writers to understand that this is a very real part of a writer's life yeah Um, yeah and and two comments related to that um um is that i consider it a privilege for me to really be digging into this history mm -hmm. because it is real it really did happen Mm -hmm. and how many people can you talk to in the world that can tell you what john hancock's myers-briggs personality type is i can't wow (laughs) Yeah. because I got to know him 
And so, uh, so it's it's really really cool to not just be getting into it and immersed into it. That's the perfect word. Yeah. Um, and it not be reality. It's re- it was reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you mentioned the antagonist. I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting sidetracked here. But you mentioned the antagonist, and I don't think I've mentioned to you, but the antagonist in my first book, his last name is Hutchinson. I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe that's why we were racing each other up the hill. Maybe so. <laughs> my, my inner William Molyneux and your inner Thomas Hutchinson uh, just still, were still duking it out. <laughs> Hutchinson, I believe, is British, and I think it, that was from my father's side. Okay, yeah, he was, yeah. He was African American, um, Scottish, and and Scottish and and had some British roots so that's probably where that all came from yeah interesting well he he was he was born and raised in in, uh the colonies in America but then he ended up in exile back in England and died there oh wow sorry hope that wasn't a spoiler (laughs) no that that makes us want to read so that's exciting Hmm. so so what advice can you share with our author community regarding things like um, marketing, you know, building platform. Uh, what can you speak to them about the, those different things that we often hear as writers? Sure. If anyone has been a writer for very long and mm-hmm. also tried to market, you understand that they're very different skill sets. Right. And, you know, that's helpful to understand. If you're going, if you're wanting to be published traditionally, then marketing is a huge deal. I mean, I I had my own construction company. I've been self-employed for many years in in lots of different capacities. And I understand that a publishing house is in business to make money. And I don't begrudge that. And so if you go the traditional route, then there, you really need to make sure, and they need to make sure that it's gonna be worth it uh, mm-hmm. for them. And so I get that. I had originally thought I would go the traditional route, but mm-hmm. then some things came up uh, right as I was getting toward publication that made it obvious that the hybrid route was the way for me. Mm-hmm. And so that's given me, and there were various reasons for that. Uh, one mm-hmm. was going traditional route takes a few years, you know, to get your book out there. And my yeah. husband and I were thinking, we're not so sure the country has that long. <laughs> so we really <laughs> felt like that it needed to get out there sooner rather than later. I mean, not, not, not rush in the sense that, you know, poor quality and that kind of thing. I mean, eight years, yeah. I don't think anybody would call rush. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but so, but if you go hybrid or uh, self-publishing route, then there's more flexibility with regards mm-hmm. to how much and when you do your marketing. If you want your book to get out there, you're going to have to do some marketing uh, yeah. regardless of how you get published. And so what I've done, I put together a a um, book proposal uh, over, you know, the the several years that I was working on my book. And I think I ended up with about five or more pages of marketing ideas. Mm -hmm. And so even though I didn't go the traditional publishing route for my first book, I felt like that um, 
putting those ideas on paper has helped me and I've laid tons of groundwork as a former builder. I know how important the foundation is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very, yeah. very important. And so I've laid tons of groundwork. I've done some marketing. I've uh, been at some conventions and conferences where I've been an exhibitor and a speaker. And, uh, I've, um, I've uh, been on podcasts, you know, like this, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I've written some articles, you know, so I've done various things and it's been tons of work, but writing the historically accurate novels, especially, I've just had to decide I need to get these books finished before yeah. I spend as much time as I may eventually spend on marketing. And, um, so, uh, so marketing is very important. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking back to what your question actually was advice. Uh, I know for the conventions I've been to, uh, the banners that I've had that, you know, banners mm -hmm. are not cheap, retractable <laughs> no. banners, the banners you put up, uh, yeah. at the back of the booth, they're not cheap, but I really feel like that that was a huge part of what attracted people to my booth and you know book sales and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so especially early on you're going to be forking out a lot of time and money when mm -hmm. it comes to marketing i mean you don't have to but it can be it, yeah. you know it, it can pay returns i'm thinking oh my goodness i'm signing up for a conference next year and i'm not going to have to redo the banner exactly you yeah. know and so, uh, so sometimes you have to do what you can when you can, and eventually it accumulates. And I've heard this from other people in the past that little by little, you know, can really add up. And when you're at the beginning, you think you see this mountain, <laughs> you're right. thinking, I can't climb that mountain, exactly. but little by little, it eventually does accumulate. And you look back and go, oh, you know what? I have done several things that I didn't think were possible. Well, it might not be possible in your first month, but maybe in your first three years, uh, you can accomplish. And so you might need to have a longer term perspective uh, rather than just, the, oh my goodness, this, all these other authors are doing this. I've got to go out and do this right now. Well, maybe, maybe not, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I love I love that you talk about your the, your background in construction. And so, I grew up in construction. My father owned a construction company. Really? Yeah. And so we all had to work in construction. Um, and so I know it it might sound far fetched to someone who's listening, but believe it or not, you learn lots in that industry because you have to you have to network. Yes. It, um, construction, no matter where you live, can become a very small community. And so you have to be careful about burning bridges and what you right. think about other people, um, building a good reputation, uh, being professional, yes. having quality work. So those are all great building blocks to marketing yourself and building your platform, don't you think? Yes, 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 definitely. I, I actually... Um, after construction, uh, went through a career change, um, did something else for a while. Um, and then I'm like, you know, that's a good fit. It's not a great fit. Long story short, I met with some career counselors and found out I had been doing project management for more yeah. than 20 years at that point. Mm -hmm. And all the different things I'd done, whether it was building a house or now writing a book or 
um, probating an estate. They were all projects. Uh, and so I ended up getting an international certification in project management. And I literally wow. now, I literally now teach the class. <laughs> mm, and um, although I've taken a sabbatical this year because I just needed to, you know, get back on top of life and focus on uh, book number two and that kind of thing. But yeah, the skills that you use, whether it's in construction or other things that maybe some of your listeners have been involved in, you can use those same skills to translate into writing a book. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, are there any words of encouragement you can offer to those struggling with common author struggles such as rejection, isolation, and marketing? Do writers get discouraged? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, it can be so discouraging because so much of your time is spent in your own cave and I think it's very important to um, two things. One, to stay in your own lane. You know, figure out what your your lane is. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and and that can be helpful because it's so easy to compare to other people. But we're created to be unique. And mm -hmm. again, if you're going traditional publishing route, then there's certain things that in the industry it's like, hey, this is the way you need to do it. For us to be willing to publish your book um mm -hmm. but i feel like it's also important uh to figure out who you are as a person and as a writer i was really good in high school at writing term papers mm -hmm. I, I, and so the research and all of that came naturally for me but when i got into writing books nine years ago all of a sudden threw that out the window and I'm like, oh, but it's done differently when you are writing a book. Well, I've decided, no, I need to take those skills and the things that I was really good at and apply them and figure out what method works for me. Yeah. Um, because we're all different. And so if we're trying to do a method that works for somebody else, it may or may not work for me. Right. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And then the second word of encouragement that I would give would be to join a writer's group. Mm -hmm. um, that just, I did that within probably a month of, um, of deciding that I had a book to write or, you know, several books to write. And I just can't imagine life without that. And if there's not a writer's group in your area, then you can either create one or you can join one that's online. You know, in the last couple of years, mm -hmm. we've all learned about how to do things online, you know, meetings yeah. online. And uh, so I, I think that a big part of that is uh, that writing is such a unique job and it's encouraging to be with, with other writers because they get it. Mm -hmm. They understand the, that we have people running around in our heads and they understand mm -hmm. how hard it is to actually sit down and start writing when you feel like, oh, but I need to take out the trash or I need to do this. I need to clean the tile in the bathroom with my toothbrush. You know, <laughs> We can come up with all kinds of things to do besides sit down and put the words on the page. And right. when there are other writers in our lives and they can say, you know what, you really need to sit down and write. Mm -hmm. That's so good. 
Well, can you can you share a method, just just one method to help us keep focused and organized as we manage various projects? Sure, sure. Uh, I can teach a 35 hour class on project management, but I'll just give you one little tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and this is actually, you know, from the writer's perspective, again, we can get so distracted. And I feel like that it's helpful to, if you've made it a priority and it's not just a hobby, to set aside specific days and times that this is what I'm going to write. Um, this is what I'm going to sit down. And for me, I've been kind of developing that more over the last year uh, because, again, I'm on a sabbatical from teaching. And so I've had a little bit more flexibility. And so I have two days where I am focused on my book most of the day, you know, from, from like 830 till three o'clock in the afternoon. And then the next day I have a half a day. And then that way I can kind of clean up anything that didn't get done uh, in that first day. And so two full days and two half days uh, each week. But of course, as we've talked about, marketing is also part of that. And so it really limits the writing time. Uh, but you've got to decide, okay, how much time a week am I going to put into writing and then make it a priority? And just like any other job, you just, you're just not going to be distracted by, oh, so-and-so just called and said, hey, let's do lunch. Well, you know what i'm not saying don't ever do that i'm just saying that you can't let every single thing that comes along as an interruption um mm -hmm. become the priority over your writing um, exactly it is hard it is hard it's a balancing act but i feel like setting aside specific days and times and letting your family know hey this is when i'm going to be in the office or you know at your dining room table whatever i'm focused i really need this hour or two hours or five hours or whatever it is and then i'll be available again after three o'clock mm -hmm. that's good advice well how, how do you and why do you recommend lacing our author books and platforms with moral messages well i'll start with the why part uh, life is short and i think the older we get the more we realize just how life uh how short life is yeah and if we want to make an impact, we've got to invest our time in ways that make a difference mm -hmm. uh, in the world around us. And of course, for many, uh, that means spending our time, times, time in a way that makes a spiritual impact uh, in the lives of others. And then the how part of that, or you know, the why or how for, for me, is as an author, uh, I might uh, have a different focus than a lot of the folks that maybe you, you speak with on this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I focus more on the ideological side of things. Right. And I, I actually looked up the definition of ideological. Um, yeah. And the definition, one definition uh, is, is from dictionary.com. The body of doctrine, myth, belief, etc., that guides an individual, social movement, institution, class, or large group. Mm -hmm. And so I like to use ideological rather than political because, oh my goodness, when I say political, uh, that carries with it a lot of connotations that I may or may not tr be trying to address. Um, right. But ideological, you know, what do you believe? And what's your starting point? And that's gonna impact uh, what, um, what, you do with your time and mm -hmm. if you're a writer you know what you write 
And I ran across a quote several years ago that I really like from John Adams. And even though I'm writing in the Revolutionary War period, I'm not writing about the blood and guts, so to speak, you know, in the battles. Um, but I'm writing about what John Adams referred to as the revolution that took place in the minds and the hearts of the people. Mm. And so those ideological things that are deep within us uh, is basically what I'm focused on in my writing. And again, I write out of the concern that I have for our country. Mm -hmm. And I want people to have a greater understanding as to what our real history was, because so many things are out there these days about history that it's just been rewritten. Mm -hmm. And I want to be historically accurate mm -hmm. in what I'm writing. Mm. That's so good. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that approach um, where it's it's not here. You're not being you're not someone who's, who's really trying to be political, but you're going yeah. to you're going at something deeper because once we say political, we often we can just divide. You know, often yeah. people are just kind of uh, on they're on defense, just waiting to see what side you're on. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So they can yeah. decide to like you or 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 not like you or reject what you're going to say or accept what you're going to say. And so, right. Yeah. It's right. So I just trying to put the true history out there and then, you know, yeah, let's have a dialogue as opposed to shut down. It's like, well, let's at least start with what's accurate mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as far as history. And then, yeah. and then go from there and talk about, well, you know what, why, why did they fight for this? Or why were there antagonists and what, where did, were they each coming from? Uh, and I think it can be a, a helpful place to start. Yeah. So is there, is there any other author news or events that you'd like to update our listeners about? And also, how can our writing community stay in touch with you? Okay. Well, um, again, I'm focused right now on writing, so I don't have much planned for next year as far as already in the works. I've got, got one conference uh, that I've got scheduled for, but... Um, but uh, most of your listeners probably wouldn't fit into that category. It's, uh, it's a homeschool convention. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm focused on, you know, part of understanding uh, your marketing is knowing your audience, you know, who's your mm -hmm. target audience. And so mine would yeah. be uh, conservative uh, adults or conservative families with teenagers. Uh, okay. I'm writing very much on what's considered an adult level uh, as far as, you know, the writing style. Um, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but yet, uh, you know, there are certainly teenagers out there that can read on that, that level as well. And homeschoolers mm -hmm. love reading history uh, in a story format. Um, some yeah. people like reading textbooks, but most people like prefer the stories. Um, but my website um, is my name. And I know mm -hmm. it's not the easiest to spell, so let me spell it out. Cam C A M. Yeah, Cam C A M. And then Molino, M O L I N E U X dot com. Cam dot com. And because of the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party being next year, I am mm -hmm. hoping to get some speaking engagements. Uh, you know, as, as part of that. And so if anybody's interested, I do have some topics listed on my website that I need to go back and, and fine tune a little bit, but that at least gives folks a starting point uh, for, um, for seeing some of the things that I speak on. 
And then, you know, I mean, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners if maybe something I've said uh, strikes a chord. I can't get deep in conversation. I mean, I've got various things going on, including writing, and I'm going to be going to a, a conference here in another, uh, you know, shortly. And um, but um, but would love to hear um, from any of your listeners. And then um, maybe um, I can help for that hard to buy for friend or family member. Uh, this is historically accurate novels that I'm writing, and some people are real into that. And mm -hmm. usually the people that are into that are people that can be difficult to buy for. So whether it's for a birthday or Christmas or, you know, whatever occasion. Uh, and if you want a signed and personalized copy, then feel free to contact me again through my website and I can uh, I can get that to you that way. The book is also on Amazon and, you know, uh, various places, Barnes and Noble and, you know, just all over uh, wherever wherever books are sold, as they say. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would like to could I just explain why I felt like your podcast might be a good fit um, yeah. for my first novel because some people you know are like wait a minute we're talking about history and where does the murder and mystery and mayhem fit into all of this <laughs> um, and uh and so uh, you know i i think i mentioned to you in an email early on that murder mysteries would keep me up at night and it's not because I would be reading them. It'd be because I'd be having nightmares. <laughs> so, oh, wow. oh, so you know, I can't read scary stuff. Yeah. But the uh, let me tell you the first two sentences that I thought were going to be the opening to my first novel. Okay. The first two sentences. William Mullineaux knew he was dying. The suddenness with which illness invaded his body gave rise to rumors the British had used poison to silence him. Wow. So that sounds like a murder mystery, right? That does. <laughs> and, and, and never be deterred by whatever it is that you write because it's about, it's really about the journey. But that, but you know, history is often like, just like you said, it's filled with murder mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so so there were two reasons I decided not to have that as my opening. I mean, I held on to those sentences for years, and they were award-winning and all that. And um, and there were two reasons I decided. I mean, the scene is later in the book, you know, toward the very end. But there were two reasons I decided not to make that my opening sentences. Uh, one is that it sounded like a murder mystery, and that's really not my genre. Um, and then to my beta readers, some of them said, I don't want to know that the main character dies at the end. Um, and oh, so, okay. so, you know, I thought, oh boy, I really hate to, you know, as we say in the writing world, I had to kill my darling. That's right. <laughs> yes. oh, wow. uh, but it is, I mean, William Molyneux, my main character was a real person and he was second only to Samuel Adams in his influence on the streets in Boston in the day, according to historians. And, um, but it's still being debated today as to whether or not his death was murder or suicide. Oh my goodness. So since wow. your, your, your listeners may be interested in murder mysteries now that they know that, you know, for other Ooh. people that might be a spoiler, but now yeah. they can read the book and look for clues and try to figure out, do I think it was murder or do I think it was, it was suicide? Oh uh, my and God. then the, 
the other reason I thought your podcast would be a good fit is that at least two people, two of William Molyneux's contemporaries, uh, referred to him or accused him of being the author of the Boston Massacre. Oh, wow. And again, I'm not into scary, I'm not into blood and guts, but that was a pretty significant thing for people to say about my main character. And so that scene is in there, but I treat it with respect and I don't, I don't think it'll keep you up at night, you know, the way I Mm -hmm. handle it. Um, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't read it at, you know, right before bedtime, (laughs) (laughs) that particular scene. Uh, but, um, but yeah, he was referred to as the author of the Boston Massacre. And um, so, you know, the people that um, that are into, you know, that kind of thing can now read the book in such a way. It's like, wait a minute, I have some clue as to what's hap- going to happen later mm-hmm. on. And so you can kind of read it uh, with that in mind. Uh, well, but one other. Go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. I'm just going to say one other thought. Uh, you know, you kind of asked for closing thoughts. And I know that might have been been more than you were asking for. Yeah. But this relates to to um to your listeners any books that they read you know not just mine but any books that they read leave reviews Mm -hmm. leave reviews i had no idea what a big deal that was until i became an author and um and those are huge i mean we as as you know anybody that purchases anything online you're looking for reviews Mm -hmm. and uh, i mean there's marketing aspects of that as well um, and so it's just a really big deal to leave reviews. I mean, obviously, if you're going to give a one-star review, it's probably best if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, four or five, you know, leave a review. If it's free, then, you know, be, be constructive in your criticism and that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. But leaving reviews are leave a really, really big that, deal. Oh, uh, that's a great note to end on. And, yeah. and also... I, I just want to let you know that it's been a true pleasure to hang out with you, Pam. Um, you've taught us so much. You taught us to know your target audience. You you taught us the importance of networking and building that platform plat- platform from the ground up, just as you would in construction. And to leave reviews. So yeah. listeners, please don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word.